So when I was a boy doing martial arts, my instructor would say to me often, don't forget to breathe, which seems like a weird thing to say to someone, right? Like, no one teaches us to breathe. We've, we've been breathing automatically since we came out of our mother's wombs. And yet, um, it's actually an important thing for us to be reminded, especially when you're straining, for example. Sometimes you can hold your breath or you're doing something uh, that requires great energy and exertion and you need to breathe more deeply. And so this was something, too, that, you know, as I did other sports and ran and would lift weights, I would have to be attentive to that. And you realize then that when you breathe well, that you're... Your body is, your blood is filled with oxygen and you're stronger that way. Pentecost, we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the disciples. The word in Hebrew for spirit is ruah, which means breath or wind. And so we see the beginning of creation. The wind of God is hovering over the waters. And we see that when God forms Adam, he breathes into him to give him life. Jesus, on that evening of that first Easter Sunday, appears to the disciples, the room is locked, and he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So this should immediately remind us of God breathing into Adam, right? What is Jesus doing? He's giving them the breath, the spirit of a new creation, right? He's giving them new life. And this is a kind of down payment then on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which would take place several weeks later at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit transforms us into the likeness of Christ. St. Cyril of, of Alexandria wrote that the Spirit alters the whole pattern of a person's life. With the Spirit within them, it is quite possible for people who had been absorbed by things of this world to become entirely otherworldly in outlook, and for cowards to become men of great courage. And if, as we read the book of Acts, we see, in, indeed, that's what happened to the disciples, right? They went from being uh, fearful to boldly, courageously proclaiming Christ. They went from being selfish to loving. They went from being confused to being wise. And so we call sometimes the Holy Spirit the sanctifier, the one who makes us holy. But even more precisely, the Holy Spirit is the Christifier, who makes us more like Christ. I want to reflect more on physical breath and how that's a wonderful way to help us understand the Holy Spirit and its work within us and through us. So obviously, if you don't breathe, if you're not breathing for a long period of time, it means that you're dead, right? And sometimes we even we describe the span of our life as until my last breath. So it indicates life and the spiritual life that we get. Also, too, breath indicates intimacy. So to hear or feel or smell a person's breath, you have to be very close to them, right? And uh, those of you who are married, right, you know sometimes obstructed breath, your, your spouse is snoring, okay? I got asked the other day, I was doing a health check, and do you snore? I says, I don't know. I don't have anyone to tell me. So, um, but anyway, so lovers feel and hear the breath of their beloved parents when they hold their children close to them, right? Feel and hear the breath of their little ones. And this is very good because the Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit really is the person through whom we have intimacy with God, right? Also, too, there's a connection between speaking and breath, right? So when you speak, you have to breathe. 
So think about, the Son is called what? The Word of God, the eternal Word. For all eternity, God is speaking the perfect Word of self-communication. But we also can understand that with that Word comes the breath, the breath of the Holy Spirit. There's something else about breath, and this is something that I've become more aware of. I've been listening to these health podcasts, and sometimes they talk about breathing or breathing exercises. But So breath is interesting because um, most of the time it's working completely automatically. We're not even aware of it, but we're breathing. And I think this is important for us as a way of understanding the Holy Spirit because in the life of the believer, the Holy Spirit is always at work. Even if it's not something dramatic, even if it's not something that we're aware of. In the background, uh, in, our, in our second reading today, uh, Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Right? Now, we don't have to like work up a great act of faith to say that, but as believers, the Spirit is sort of sustaining us in our faith. Another time, uh, Paul writes, he says, we have received the Spirit of adoption by which we can say to God, Abba, or Father. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is constantly at work influencing us towards love, towards belief, even towards sorrow for our sins. But also, too, breath is something that we can be conscious of and and we can uh, kind of control to a certain degree, right? And we can think of this now as prayer, really deep prayer, as praying in the Spirit and harnessing the power of the Spirit. And so this can, this can be in different ways. So sometimes, for example, if you're panicked or stressed, you can do certain breathing exercises for calm and relaxation. Right? And this can be a kind of, of prayer. We can think about prayer as a prayer of, of deep quiet, of getting, um, you know, leaving behind the noisiness and distraction and chaos of our life and entering the deep sanctuary within where God is present. Sometimes we can pray more energetically, uh, especially, for example, through singing. So, interestingly, um, also, also Paul, he says, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he says, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's the next sentence right after. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And to sing, if you learn to sing, um, like you're in our choir, uh, Jenkins has been a singer for a long time, they also tell you about focusing on your breath how important your breath is for singing well. Now, what is the point of breathing, though, for our, for our biological well-being? It is to oxygenate our blood, to saturate our blood with oxygen, but also to eliminate the waste of carbon dioxide. And we can actually measure, you can measure the oxygen level in your blood. It's an indication, is your respiratory system working properly, your circulatory system working properly? So is there a parallel in the spiritual life? Can we, can we, can, can we measure this? Is, this, is, the, is the spirit in us and, and working well? I think Galatians chapter 5 gives us that, that kind of measurement or test. Because in Galatians chapter 5, Paul contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruits of the spirit. He says, what are the works of the flesh? Morality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, Sorcery, hatred, rivalry, jealousy, outbursts of fury, selfishness, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he says, in contrast, are the fruits of the Spirit. And if you forget them, just drive around our parking lot, because we have them listed there, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
And this is how we can measure whether our prayer life really is being fruitful. Are we truly, is it genuine? Are we connecting with God or are we just going through motions and kind of not really even praying at all, just kind of talking to ourselves? We should always ask God to pour his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. On Friday, we celebrated the memorial of a saint named Philip Neri, who lived in the 16th century and lived in Rome. And in 1544, he was praying right before Pentecost to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he saw a ball of fire entered his lips and went into his heart. And he felt this tremendous pressure. In fact, he said to God, enough, Lord, I can bear it no more. And he fell to the ground. And then as he kind of got up and recovered, his chest was visibly protruding. And after his death, they actually found that his heart was so enlarged that his ribs had to break and then kind of reform to, to, uh, you know, to provide the, the cavity around this huge heart that he had. A huge physical heart, but more importantly, he actually ended up developing a huge spiritual heart. Prior to that, he had been mostly praying as a hermit and he had some interaction with people. He definitely had fallen in love with God. But after this experience, this fire in his heart that enlarged it, uh, he began to just go all around Rome and he would engage people in conversation, and he would talk to them about Jesus. He was known to be joyful and humorous. And he'd start to talk to a group of guys, and he'd say, okay, brothers, when shall we start to do good? And then they would just go to a hospital, and they'd help out there. They would make beds, or clean, or do other things. Later, he was ordained a priest, and he founded the Oratorians. It's kind of an association of priests. He, he influenced people so much, and helped so many people to be deeply converted that he was called the Apostle of Rome, like a new founding after Peter and Paul had founded the church originally in Rome. He helped many people again to convert to a life of virtue and had many friends among the poor and the rich. Later in his life, he actually didn't celebrate Mass in front of anyone anymore because he was so in love with God and the Mass was, he so perceived the presence of, of Christ in the Mass that it would take him two and a half hours to celebrate the Mass, right? You guys wouldn't want to probably sit for that, right? He was caught up in ecstatic prayer. On this Pentecost, let us ask God to breathe into us new life, the fire of love, the Holy Spirit, inhaling the fruits of the Holy Spirit and exhaling the corruption of the flesh. In the words of, one, of a beautiful and simple hymn, Breathe on me, O breath of God, my will to yours incline, until the selfish part of me glows with your fire divine.